Hello all you gorehounds and splatterpunks, and welcome to another episode of Night of the Lists, the horror podcast where two fans break down, discuss, and rank your favorite cinematic nightmares. I'm your host, Sailor Monsoon, joined as always by my co-host, Vincent Kane. Howdy, howdy. Now, today's episode is a special one. I know that's become kind of a catchphrase, because I say it with every episode, but th- this one's even more special, because it's all about number twos, baby. The best thing to do in a bathroom. Number two, cut that. I'm not yeah, saying that. that. It's t- yeah, it's toilet humor. <laughs> I'm not doing that. That is a terrible joke. It's staying in, though. No, god damn it. Because <laughs> I, I had all right, my original intro to this was a quote. And I don't remember who said it. It was either Luigi Cazzi or Bruno Mattai, one of the famous Italian schlock masters. And they say, they said, in, it- in Italy, we don't make zombie one. We make zombie two. Now, that's basically what they're saying is we'd never do anything original. We just rip off shit that's popular. So that quote kind of goes more to rip offs than it does the sequels. But you know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm talking about zombie two because I'm talking about sequels, baby. This is all about sequels. I'm sorry I started it off with potty talk. It's, it's below me. I'm better than that. As a podcast, it's as really a whole. not. It's really not. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're we're talking about sequels. The best sequels of all time. Best horror sequels of all time. Now, to make it more interesting, Kane decided that we should do this as objective as humanly possible, which is to take out any and all bias. So our personal feelings or taste have no bearing on this list whatsoever. It'll become more apparent as my list goes on because sequels that I like considerably less than other sequels didn't make the cut at all because I'm judging based solely on importance, influence, popular. Not even that. I'm judging it based on what did it do to the franchise? Did it move the mythology forward? Did it do anything interesting with the mythology? Did it do anything interesting with the characters? That's what I'm basing it on, not purely on is it more fun than the original? It, what? How did you approach this list? Pretty similar. I think quality was a big um, determining factor um, when I compared them, not just quality within that um within the franchise because there's 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 some where there's a, a huge jump in quality um and there's this conversation that you and i have kind of had uh there's a some that are where the the original was already great and so it was almost hard to kind of top it so you either got equal or you got better which is which is rare but it has happened but then you start comparing okay well if these are kind of the same level then which one's a better quality which one you know as far as directing and acting and et cetera et cetera so yeah i tried to strip away as much bias as possible yeah there is going to be some there i mean you know it's it is what it is uh but uh yeah i'm i'm right there with you kind of influence important something was it different from the original did it stay in the same mold and just improve upon it uh so yeah that's kind of how i looked at it there's many ways to approach this list and i think we both approached it from like you said we didn't go from the sequels that were great compared to movies that weren't so great because technically they would be the best sequels 
you look at it. Like, for example, I mean, I've mentioned Critters 2 and Ghoulies 2 as a joke, but if you look at, like, Ouija Origin of Evil, that's far superior as a sequel than the original. Like, it's actually a good movie. The first one is trash. The first one is an, the second one is actually really good. Annabelle Comes Home, another fun sequel to a movie that's uh, terrible. Annabelle is one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen. The sequel is fun as shit. It's like Night at the Museum, but with spooks. It's really, I mean, it's actually better than that, but it's really fun, right? So are we judging it based on the the quality jump or are we looking at a movie that's already, if the groundwork is already great, how did they, what did they do with the groundwork? You know what I mean? I think that's where we both landed. So, you know, like a movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it has a really fun sequel. Did it, did it do anything with that? I mean, we'll find out if it's on either one of our lists, but all of the other sequels to use it as an example are basically just doing it over again. And as much as I, as much as I like those sequels and I do most of them and I do find them fun, there's just rehashes of the first one. So I, I do think the second one gets points for originality, just like Halloween three. I mean, it's going on a completely different trajectory as I mean, from the first one. I mean, it's like, fuck it. I'm not, we're not even going to follow the formula of the first one. And we're just going to go over here. And again, we'll see if it lands on one of our lists because it, it balls. I mean, there's not many horror sequels that you can say have balls of a Halloween three. Cause right, it's all. No, yeah. Because you've got, you know, if, if, and we've, I've, I've said this many times, if you took Halloween out of that title and just called it season of the witch, it would have been more beloved at that time i think a lot of people are coming around on it a lot i i, I feel like i i can't really put a number on it like but i would say in the last maybe 10 years i've noticed this more appreciation or more just more people speaking up for halloween three season of the witch uh as opposed to seeing it on the worst horror movies or the worst ho- horror sequels of all time list all the time to where now it's making the best horror sequels or, you know, that it's being talked about more lovingly because I think people are starting to realize that it was, like you said, it, it was something that it had, it had, you know, some, uh, it's some chutzpah to it, whatever you want to call it, that, that took it in a different way and got rid of the, the great character, Michael Myers. And, you know, but, but now is it still, the quality there and all that kind of stuff. What, what did it lead to and all that? And that's where you start to boil down to our list. So. Yeah. So there's many avenues in which you could approach this, but I think we both went from how good was the original? What did the sequel bring to it? I think that's just simple. Well, I mean, that's how I approached it. I'm assuming that's how you approached it. And that's what it sounds like you did. I mean, but out this bullshit but we will find out where halloween 3 ranked on your list right now so give me your top 10 my friend give me your number 10 is it okay. halloween 3 let me guess is <laughs> it, it is not it is oh, not halloween 3. i mean it would have been a great segue it would have been an amazing segue um it's well okay before we get on here can i can it was can i put session nine on here and count it as a sequel <laughs> 
to, <laughs> to session session eight and session <laughs> seven and session i mean I, I, I you know i i saw that and i was like man that would be i could i'd probably get away there's probably plenty of people out there oh yeah i bet it is a sequel now my number 10 is probably my most controversial pick and i don't even know if it's controversial it probably it may be i'm sure there's somebody out there that's not going to like this pick at all um but it it's a great quality movie um i guess where the controversy probably comes is that this movie is a horror movie but its original was not a horror movie and i'm going with 2016 m not shamalama ding dong split i honestly considered it and the reason why i I, I, I know where you're going with this because it is such a departure from the original yes. and it's as it's um the twist is that it's a sequel and I love that that twist but yeah I mean it it works it qualifies it qualifies so tell me why uh you picked this one I mean well, I did seriously consider it but tell yeah me. no I it's to me it is out of all, out of a lot of the movies that we have on this list. It, the quality of it from direction to the look to the acting to everything you can put up there as far as a technical just looking at it from technical wise it, it's it's better than most of the movies that we were going to have on this list and, and you know now where why is it so low on my list though it, the horror it's a horror movie and you want to know you want to know the biggest reason why i know it's a horror movie because uh, James McAvoy wasn't nominated for an Oscar for his performance. That is a dead giveaway that this is a horror movie, because if this wasn't considered a horror movie, he would have won, he would have won both male and uh, both actor and actress Oscar <laughs> that year, because he absolutely killed it. And that's one big reason. But the reason why I went with split is unbreakable is such, it's such a damn good movie. It's such a quality movie. And it's a superhero movie um, with, with you know, some some thriller and some drama, all that mixed in there with that superhero that we don't know about till a little bit later on uh, in the film that we're, hey, we're watching a, a, super, a superhero origin film here and villain, super villain. Um, and then you get to split that you have no ideas connected. Spoiler alert. Hopefully you've seen it by now. But you have no idea that it's connected in that universe and it you're watching a horror thriller here you're watching a a demented person who who has who has issues but they are turning into a creature there's kidnap there's you know um molestation there's uh murder and there's there's not a lot of ton of gore and stuff but you don't have to have gore to be a horror movie so you've got all that and then you've got the quality on top of it and you got the departure from the original. So that's where I kind of was like, well, is it technically a horror sequel? Well, it's a horror movie and it's a sequel. So it's a horror sequel. And you've got Anna Joy Taylor and James McAvoy who just both do an amazing job um, in their roles. Um, and then uh, Betty Buckley as the uh, Dr. Fletcher who does a great job. I mean, it's just, and then, you know, and M. Night Shyamalan, he wrote such a smart smart movie and it's so well done that I, I it's hard not to sit here and say that the just based on the quality from the acting the directing the cinematography the script all that um is not hit shoulders above 
almost every other horror sequel. It's just not in the traditional sense of the word of a horror sequel. So that's why it's my number 10 and not higher on the list. No, yeah. Like I said, I did consider it. I think it's a very smart approach to the sequel because we all, after seeing Unbreakable, we all wanted more adventures with David Dunn. Or at least I did. Because I think it's probably his best movie. And that's saying a lot because I do like M. Night Shyamalan. He is very hit or miss. But outside of The Last Airbender, he makes original shit. And I think he needs to get more points for just because we always bitch about a a lack of originality right oh it's a horror sequels oh this remakes blah 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 M. Night Shyamalan is out there making original shit constantly consistently he's got his TV shows the Wayward Pines I didn't watch but I heard it was fine he's got The Servant which I haven't watched but I heard it was good so he's out there He's producing things. He's putting his name on stuff. He's directing things. I don't think he gets enough credit for making original content all the Not time. And in, in a fucking, in a, and, but then uh, he's one of those guys that uh, horror fans shit on all the time. Right. And yet I'm like, what the fuck do you guys want? <laughs> you can't talk about a lack of originality. And he's out here making shit like splice. I mean, uh, split. I mean, Splice would have been different with, with him yeah. attached, but no, like Split, which I think is fun. And damn, is James McAvoy good in this? He's so good. It's one of the best performances and how he got, how he gets snubbed. And that's why it's a horror movie. I mean, if, like I said, if it wasn't a horror movie, if this would, they would be considered a thriller like Silence of the Lamb in, in that vein. He's, he's at least nominated. I mean, there's nobody, I don't know how many other people could have pulled it off the way he pulled this off. They say like fearless or like, oh, how brave you have to be fearless to do this because you're making yourself open to ridicule because he's I mean, he's he's playing like 12 different characters, one of which is a woman or many of them are are women from what I remember. But there's, you know, a little boy. I mean, he's doing a lot. That is, I mean, if it's, I mean, he's going, he's going for it, man. Like you can't, I mean, if, if it, if the movie doesn't work, it's on McAvoy. It's not on M. Night Shyamalan. If the performance does not work, it's solely on James McAvoy. And there are parts of this movie where he completely disappears into the role where he is. I mean, it's fuck the spoilers, man. It's been out like four years Yeah, where he is the beast and his face is like going like he's breaking the bars and his face is like trying to get through the bars. I don't see James McAvoy and I don't think there's any CGI. I just think he's so in the character and he's doing something physically where I'm I literally don't see the character like Billy Bob Thornton in Sling Blade. He's doing something with his mouth and his jaw where he's just doing something where I don't see Billy Bob anymore. He's completely changed his face and it's all physical. It's not like an apparatus and it's just, it's amazing performance and a very good thriller. So now I, I really like that. I, what I was thinking you were going to do is like, cause I kept seeing it on the silence of the lambs. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's not a fucking no. sequel. It's not a sequel no. y'all. It's yeah. Manhunter exists. That doesn't mean this is a sequel. Red Dragon's a sequel. This is not a sequel. 
So yeah, I, I saw that too. And I was like, ah, I, I'm, I, I can, I can do with a little bit of mending or twisting, but I was like, that's a little bit too much. For that's me, it's, so. I mean, I would love to put it on the list and it, it would be, be very, one. yeah, <laughs> it would probably be number two or three on my right, list. Yeah. We'd but, be up there, but it, it's not a sequel. So you have a cheat on your list. Kind of, not really, but no, I just say a little controversy there because yeah. I could, I could hear, I could hear where it's like, oh well, because it's not, it's not exactly in a horror franchise, yeah, but it's a horror movie that is a sequel, and so we said horror sequels, and there you go. So I mean, uh, what's works. your number ten, sir? And my, I mean, yeah, not cheap, but you know, a bit controversy because mine is also a bit controversial because my movie is a sequel to nothing. It, I mean, it is a sequel. But it is not a sequel to a movie. It's a sequel to a TV show. And it's not a sequel at all. It's a prequel. It's Twin week, uh, Twin Weeks. It's tw- <laughs> <laughs> Twin Weeks. Twin Peaks, Firewalk With Me. Now, this movie was tore apart when it was originally released by critics and audiences because they wanted answers. Because this came out after season two, which has the infamous cliffhanger where the good guy loses, he's possessed by the bad guy, and you're like, what the fuck am I watching? What the hell just happened? And then this movie comes out, which doesn't answer any of that. It's an actual prequel where you see it's giving you the same information you already knew before you watched the movie. People watched the show Twin Peaks and it caught on because they wanted to know who killed Laura Palmer. And when the movie came out, we already know who, we already knew who killed her and we, we knew his name. We knew we knew everything going into the movie. So to see this already is like, what the fuck is the point? But then you realize years later when it all connects to the 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 return, which came out 25 years later. This is the most important puzzle piece to unlocking Twin Peaks because it shows that the question was always irrelevant. Who killed Laura Palmer? Who gives a shit? It's why did they kill Laura Palmer? And this is honest to God, the most important puzzle piece to it. And before anyone asks, or I guess gives me shit for the definition of horror, this is a horror movie. David Lynch makes surreal nightmares. He, I mean, he's no different than a Dario Argento or um, fuck like any other Italian director of that ilk where nightmare logic dictates the thing, but it's not just nightmare logic. You have to, he's not giving you the, the, the equation. He's not giving you one plus one. He, you have to figure out what the numbers equal. I mean, it's, it's a lot of people find that people don't like doing homework when they're watching a movie. And I understand that. And that's what this movie is. Basically it's homework. You have to figure out what is the point of this. And now after the return, and now if you rewatch the original show, you understand where this lands and you understand that, yes, this is 100% a horror movie. It doesn't have the same, jump scare setup shit but there are terribly uncomfortable moments there are eerie moments there are 
scenes where you don't want to watch the movie anymore because you're like i don't i don't feel safe david lynch is one of the only directors that can show you shit and make you feel uncomfortable make you feel unsafe and it's it's it's, it's a true testament as his craft as an artist is like the the movie um jesus christ maholland drive has one of the greatest jump scares ever and it's like five and a half minutes of setup and he's telling you what is going to happen it's two people talking and he's like i had a dream about this we talking you go pay for your check we leave and a guy jumps out from behind the thing and then we see that in real time and it happens exactly how we i mean he knows how to scare the shit out of you he just chooses not to all the time so i don't want any discussion of whether or not this is a horror movie because twin peaks while not exactly a horror show had horrific moments of the time in the 90s late 80s early 90s there was shit in that that people still talk about the the fact that they showed some shit on that in primetime tv jesus my lord oh god almighty david lynch was just People were clutching the pearls. They couldn't handle the shit that was in that show. <laughs> so, no, I, I want no discussion of whether or not this is a horror movie because it's a horror movie. It's just not a scary movie. And I wanted a prequel. And I wanted... Because when we talk about sequels, we usually don't talk about prequels. And I don't know why. They are basically the same exact thing. It is a movie made solely for the purpose of milking some more money out of a franchise by telling more story they're just telling it from the beginning and not the end what the fuck is the point what is the difference it doesn't matter. i don't think that's the i don't think that's the like the definition of a sequel though just because they're milking more out of the story i mean if we're I, talking about horror movies yeah <laughs> i i get to a point but i think that there there is a difference between a prequel and a in a sequel, you know, just in the, in the sense of it's continuing, it's continuing that story in more of a, a linear fashion or something like that. And I'm not always, I mean, yeah, there's going to be here, you know, little tweaks here and there, but I think there is something to say that there is a difference between a prequel and a sequel, but I mean, narratively, argue, narratively, obviously there is right. obviously a difference, but I mean, if we're just going to get break it down to brass tacks, they are both made mostly not all the time. Godfather two is a sequel and a prequel in one movie. And it's brilliant, but I mean, it's brilliant because the movie is brilliant. It's he's showing the prequel. He's showing the beginnings of something and then the downside of something at the same time. So he's using the prequel and the sequel setup against each other and it's fucking and they're playing off each other and it's fucking brilliant i can't think of any other prequel that really needs to exist in any way i don't really need cycle for the beginning i really don't i don't need a texas chainsaw massacre prequel i mean they are made to make money and i'm specifically talking about horror movies because most horror movies get prequels or I guess most most prequels exist within the realm of horror. You know, I can't think of many outside of the horror genre. And I can't think of many that, again, justify their existence. But I think this one does because, yes, it's showing you shit you've already knew beforehand. 
but it's giving you more context and it also works as a sequel in a way and i'm not going to get into it because then we're going to have to spend seven hours unlocking the fucking mysteries of lynch i don't i don't want to do that (laughs) i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna say right here is that i hate your pick (laughs) because i hate twin peaks and i hate david lynch i mean that's Uh, i'm sorry uh outside of blue velvet um there's just i don't like david lynch and i don't like twin peaks i I tried so hard to watch just watch that show i tried i tried so hard hard to watch fire walk with me and it's just no i'm sorry it just i don't maybe i'm not smart enough to get it i'll admit that i don't know what it is i just don't like it at all so no it's fair you go you go with your pick you do what you do (laughs) but i just man i cannot stand david lynch and that's how it is right it's either you love david lynch or you you hate him it it pretty much there's very when he's like i'm okay with it no it's usually you hate or love him i mean yeah his lynch shit yes because i think anyone can appreciate elephant man because there's very little lynch shit in right that. yeah no and i, I like that one too yeah it's that, that blue velvet pretty much outside yeah. of that it's like everything is just like there's a reason why it's like uh, lynchian is like a whatever a verb or whatever some type of action uh, adjective or something don't my english majors out there don't get on to me i, I didn't do well in we're not fucking encyclopedia britannicas <laughs> man we're not we're not the sources we're horror fans that are drunk half the time we don't fuck what do we know we know words no we know movies all right so my number nine um is i would almost like to call this almost like the horror before before john wick ever came out i would call this almost like a horror john wick um what am i saying here so john wick let me talk a little bit about john wick because it's a horror podcast i'm gonna talk about john wick um the thing that people loved about john wick outside of keanu reeves is kind of the world that it built like the universe like in the in part in part one you got you got these taste of this universe that's out there right that's bigger and how it somehow it's connected and then part two really brings it all in and then part three just really just kind of it blow and it's like oh it's i didn't realize it's worldwide you know type of thing now this this horror franchise, which I would love to see more of, um, I think is somewhat similar to that in that 28 weeks later is my number nine pick. And I think that between 28, 28 days later to 28 weeks later kind of has that universe, that universe built in kind of like John Wick did, if that makes sense. 28 days later gives you the zombie apocalypse 28 days later into it uh after it happens you get the killian uh murphy uh showing up you know where you get to see his penis and all that and uh and then showing up into you know england and uh and seeing how kind of everything went to to crap went to hell and all that and there's nobody around and you see you see that and there's this world kind of built there to where when you get to 28 days uh 28 weeks later you say okay well, it makes sense right like it, it, it it's a it's a normal event like okay but it's bigger than what i thought whereas a lot of our 
zombie movies that we got up until that point were kind of contained into a, a certain area into a certain um that we would see this breakout but it was always kind of contained where it, it what well, is it is it outside is it worldwide is it this is it that and yeah we got that but i think 28 days later into 28 weeks later does a such a phenomenal job of building that where you could have kind of like what uh walking dead is tr- has tried to do where they have the walking dead timeline but then you've got the fear of the walking dead and um the next one that's coming out that i've I've given up on walking dead a a few years ago so i'm not really into it but you could see different spinoffs from 28 days later alone outside of just the the one storyline right and so the there's a universe that was just built there in the original that it made 28 weeks later seem like like a well yeah it just makes sense and there's some great um acting there there's some great action there's some real heartfelt moments that we usually you know where the zombie movies either click or don't is um where we we have those emotional moments of when people get turned and all this kind of stuff and so i think uh juan carlos uh fresnadillo i guess that's how you say his name uh did a really good job directing (laughs) do it sure uh yeah. it's one let us know how how you pronounce your last name um and uh jeremy renner you know that was you know he him and roseburn and robert Carlyle. i mean there's a lot of good actors in this uh some genre actors that do a really good job idris alba um uh, uh and whatnot so i just i really liked this one it's one of the i mean it's it's hard sometimes to take a well we kind of talked about earlier it's hard to take a really good original and expand on that universe like they didn't do anything different there wasn't like there was this this tonal shift or anything yeah it was a little bit more wide a little bit more actiony uh, in a sense but it kept some of that personal um kind of tragedy in there uh but it still it just it expanded on the universe that was kind of built um within part one and that's why my number nine is 28 weeks later I mean, it's a lot of shoe leather to say it's aliens, but with zombies. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, because the thing is very hard to do a sequel. And I think James Cameron has nailed it many times. And what he does is if it's a horror movie, make the sequel. I mean, yeah, if it's a horror movie, it's just make the sequel action movie. He did it with Terminator and then he did it with Alien. He's just like, hey, let's make more of these things. And then more action. It's the James Cameron approach to do it. Bigger equals better. And if you can pull it off, then you can pull it off. And I think 28 weeks later does that. It just expands the scope, adds more of these fucking things. The beginning of this movie with Robert Carlyle running through those hills with all those oh, fucking God. infected. It's one of the best openings to any horror yes. movie ever. Any, any movie period. That is fucking, you don't forget that opening. And yeah, I don't know why. A, I understand why there hasn't been a sequel because Danny Boyle was busy. Yeah. And so is the writer because he went on to do his thing. But I don't know why somebody didn't pick it up for a TV show or because so, somebody, I don't know. There's not many things that you can go against Walking Dead because that's the big moneymaker. Right. And I mean, I feel like that's what. I think HBO is doing Last of Us. 
Um, if they are, they're making it because they want that Walking Dead money because there's not many zombie-related things that have name recognition and a built-in audience. And I do think 28, later, 28 Days Later is. And again, I have no interest in debating whether or not these are zombies. You can call them yeah. infected. I don't give a shit. Don't care. They're zombies. If it looks like a duck and it sounds like a duck, you know, I don't, I don't care. You can call them whatever you want. I don't care. But you know what I mean? It's, they easily could have turned this into a TV franchise. Exactly. Or we could have five different of these by now on different, just, you could still, you could go back to, you know, you know, 20, so yeah, 28 days later, 28 weeks later, 28 months later, you could keep doing that. Or you could go back to 28 days later and tell the same story, but in a different area uh, of the world. And it still would probably make sense and it would still hit. And I think, you know, what you're kind of, you know, talking about with the that kind of James Cameron approach, the, the, the biggest key there is you're still connecting that emotionality that's kind of between that thread it's like yeah we're going to still have you know action but we're still going to give you the the ripley being this you know this great character and have you care about all these other characters and all that instead of just throwing action at your face and whatnot and i think that's what 28 weeks later does a, a damn good job of is building these characters where you still care about them just as much as you did as the ones in 28 days later yeah, it's character forward. You have you need the big bombast, the action, all that shit, but never lose sight of the characters. And I don't think this movie does. I don't think either one of these movies do. But the first one is very small. When you yes. rewatch it, you're like, holy shit. It's very impressive that he was able to record because it was one of the first movies that, to record on digital cameras. So, I mean, it does it hasn't aged well. Because it, I mean, those cameras, those first red cameras, yeah, they look like shit. But it's, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to make the movie he wanted to make without them. Because he shut down streets, and he only needed them shut down for like ten minutes. And you can do that if you have like ten digital cameras set up all over the place, and that's what he did. So, I mean, it's very, very impressive on what he was able to do. But yeah, compared to the sequel, it's very small potatoes. It's a very small movie. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, no, I, I I dig that pick a lot because yeah, it expands, it it makes a bit. Imagine it twenty eight years later, like I can't. Oh God. Yeah. That's what gets me excited. Just seeing something like this, where it's all right. This is what happens twenty eight weeks later, and see all the because this is one of the only zombie apocalypses which to me would end the world. Because I yes. don't think a George Romero apocalypse would happen. I just don't. Zombies would be a burden for like five months. And then we would, like five years later, be like, oh, remember that time there were zombies? Yeah. It wouldn't be a fucking thing. Like, it, right. they would just fall down. I mean, just, I mean, that's the one thing infected have, I guess, over zombies is that they're not technically dead. So they're not rotting. Yeah. But, no, they're fast as shit. They're not super strong, but I mean, they're they have adrenaline because they have the rage virus, right? Do you get it? Do you right. get what the metaphor is? <laughs> it's rage. Oh, wink, wink. It's so stupid, but whatever. Um, <laughs> that's a very good movie, but it's yeah. This the sequel is just 
yeah, I would love to see, yeah, 28 years later where it's, yeah, there's not many people left. It's very post-apocalyptic. Every time you walk outside, now imagine like World War Z with that many infected just running after you. That's game over. Yeah, I'm almost, yeah, I'm almost thinking like Reign of Fire type of like that Dragons? movie Reign of Fire. Where well, it's yeah, there's dragons, there's you know, infected dragons, but no, like where you get where you know, uh, the Christian Bear character, what well, it starts off when he's like a kid, right? So mm-hmm. you're 20 something years later, you know, into this or something, maybe you know, right around that. So, all when you walk out, all you because now you've always all you've built is kind of a mega city or like this camp, uh, in, in the vein of like you know, Mad Max or something where you're just you know, or the world warrior where you just kind of are self-contained. And when you out go outside these walls, you're, you know, basically either just going scavenging or you're dead. One of those type of things. So yeah, I could, I could definitely uh, take a 28 years later. Yeah. You're getting me excited for a movie. That's never going to happen. All right. Well, what's your number nine? My number nine. So my number 10 was a prequel that I felt like expanded upon the lore of a movie and then my number nine is a movie that introduced mythology that didn't exist and it never felt like a retcon which is i i can't even imagine how you would do that and that's wreck two the first movie is people stuck in an apartment a duplex apartment complex during a plague and they have to just survive while they're in it the sequel is set during that same event, but with characters we never see because it's take the first one is found footage. So you're only seeing what the camera seen, but there's characters in the periphery that we're not seeing and they're having their own fucking adventure and their adventure. You find out that it's not a plague. It's not an infection. It's actually demonic possession. And the fact that, and it again, it never feels like a retcon because the first one doesn't explain anything. You just assume that it's a inf- movie about infection. The movie never tells you that. I mean, if somebody does, it's because they just assume. But it ne- again, it never feels like a retcon. They're just explaining it in this one. And then so, since now we know what the fuck it is, they're adding new things to the mythology where you see these demons that can only see with infrared light and shit where they just they they throw now that you have now that you're explaining something now you can introduce new ideas and it it just feels like the director is having fun just like throwing shit at the wall but most of it sticks and that's what's great about it is there's not many horror sequels that i can think of that introduce a new element to the story without it ruining everything you saw beforehand like if now it's too late to say that 28 late 28 days later is all zombie i mean is all demons like that would be a hell of a fucking you'd be like what It's (laughs) it's too late it's too late to introduce that but if you made the sequel like right next to it and be like no 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 they're not even infected it's I mean, I guess because they already gave it away with the rage bullshit with the monkeys. Right. So I guess he fucking Garland. That's so bold. That's so stupid. 
I've, it's it feels so studio mandated like why what is it what is it and it's like it's rage do you get it and he's like nah i wish you didn't tell me yeah <laughs> i hate it but whatever that's just you know no I, it just feels like a movie that is introducing new shit but not taking anything away from the original and it works as like a perfect continuation and there's very few because yeah, I, I, I weighed the pros and cons of all the different horror sequels I thought of Paranormal Activity 3 because I really do like that every movie kept introducing new things to the mythology where the first one is oh we're haunted that sucks then the second one's like oh no it's not the house it's them and then the third one is oh, it's them, and here's why. And no movie after that really did anything more with that. They just kept going, oh, it's witches. It's witches. Do you get that it's witches? I'm like, yeah, fuck, <laughs> just wrap this shit up. Like, if it would have ended after three, I would honestly put that trilogy up against anything. So I did think about Paranormal Activity 3. No. But at at the end of the day, because I, although I am a huge fan of that movie and that most of those movies, um, it's just, it feels like the same movie over again. It's like, yeah, it's introducing new mythology, but that mythology is introduced to like the last 10 minutes of the movie. This one is new characters in the same situation still feels similar because it's again, found footagey but these characters act completely different than the ones in the first one. They have to deal with different shit. And then we have to deal with a different threat because now we know they're fucking demons and now we could kind of fight them, but not really. So I think it's very smart and it, it's all right. What I'm trying to say is paranormal activity three is the same exact fucking movie than as the first one. It's just with five more minutes of, exposition explaining shit this is kind of the same movie but with brand new mythology brand new characters and brand new threats so that's why i picked this one over paranormal activity three so and it may and it makes sense i think that's the biggest thing is like you know like you said with the 28 days later versus 28 weeks later if you tried changing it then it's like oh, it doesn't really make sense because we already established what it was whereas in rec you know, basically Rack versus Rack 2, you could change that and it makes sense. You know, like it could have been whether it was conscious decision or not and just be like, well, I want to change this to demonic now. It's like, okay, well, it wasn't really established, so we don't know for sure. And it makes sense because it's kind of the same things or, you know, whatnot. And it's like, okay, fine. You know, it's just a different types of demonic possession that we're getting here or whatever it is. So, no, I, I like that pick. It is not on my list, but it is definitely one that was hovering um, around my top ten. So what's your number eight, sir? My number eight is, um, we've already kind of talked about it. It is uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Mm, I, um, I had a feeling it was going to be on the list. <laughs> I had a feeling. It, okay, so I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Toby Hooper's original, is arguably the greatest 
horror movie of all time. I can see where some people are might not have it number one, but it should be around. It should hover in around your top one, somewhere in the vicinity. I consider it um, one of the greatest, if not the greatest of it's all. It's a time. top five, definitely. It's a top five. If you don't have it in your top five, there's something wrong uh, with you. you. Just just get out. Um, but. The thing that I love about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is because it there's it's such a radical departure from the original. Like we talked about so far, you know, kind of, you know, some of the ones we're talking about either they're um <clears throat> we kind of already discussed either they just expand on what they are what they created a formula and they expand on it and it just makes it better or they complete they went somewhere completely opposite uh, and changing everything or we got Texas Chainsaw Massacre who has a lot of the same players it still has the Leatherface it still has the Chainsaw it still has the Sawyer family but it's a completely different just a completely different world almost is what it feels like uh, it'd be like uh, if you didn't know who Leatherface or whatever it was or if you completely put you know somebody a different killer in this it'd be like oh man this this is crazy. I don't know what's going on here, but the fact that they're connected and it still works, the fact that it still works as a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, that, that is what is so amazing about what Toby Hooper did. And the fact what is 12 years difference here. And um, you see this, the original being so real and so gritty and so um, the violence so in your face to this one where it's almost a horror comedy. I mean, it pretty much is a, it's a horror comedy, uh, but still brings the, still brings the violence, still brings the gore, still brings the, um, some really great, you know, great jump scare, one of the best ones. Um, but you still have a, you introduce another great character in Chop Top and you introduce another great final girl in Stretch, who's one of the best, final girls uh with i'm gonna objectify her a little bit with some of the greatest legs and horror of all time um and then you supple. still have leatherface be a comp- do what supple legs that's i didn't say supple legs i just said they're i can't say it great legs. They're supple. you can't say it no that's my thing <laughs> damn <laughs> it's trademark king it's trademark, trademark. Right. um but then you st- and then you have leatherface be a completely different type of leatherface um can i call him supple movie. You can you can go ahead and call him supple. You can call right. his chainsaw supple, um, and it's just it's crazy. The only reason why this isn't a top five or it, this is this would be top three if it wasn't for like the last twenty minutes of this movie. Mm. That's where it kind of drags and kind of and then you and then I, and I even talked about Dennis Hopper. I totally glossed over him. And then you you throw in a freaking you know Dennis Hopper in this, uh, who's just a madman. I mean, when it when is Dennis Hopper never just you know, hitting home runs and he just, he goes for it. Um, which is, which is nuts. A guy of his caliber, you know, in this type of movie and he's just giving it your all. It's just, it's a great performance by him. So you've got all that added into this sequel. The only, like I said, the only thing is that it drag. If you take away that 20 minutes where it just kind of drags and all that, and you've got the grandpa and uh, that, that kind of stuff where it just goes too long. This is probably a top three, uh, at least in the top five sequel of all time easily. Um, But 
yeah, Toby Hooper just did an, a, a complete almost 180. Still, I've still got a lot of my stuff from Texas Chainsaw where you can, you can, you know, touch it and you know it's Texas Chainsaw, but I'm going to give you something different because if he tried to do the same movie again, we're not talking about, we're talking about probably Texas Chainsaw Mask or not, two and, and probably the, the bot, you know, if we're doing the top 10 worst or some, or we're not even talking about it at all type of thing. The fact that he changed it up so drastically um, and then still had the gore and everything that you got from the first one. Uh, but just in a more campy comedic style um, it just it was great I, I love it. and like I said and then Chop Top one of the uh, you know Bill Mosley one of the best horror characters of all time um, just you know that a lot of people I you know I think a lot of people do love him uh, but he's also he doesn't get mentioned as one of the top villains of all time uh, but he he's amazing so yeah that's my uh, my number eight pick Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Well, like I was saying, it's either you go the James Cameron approach, which is just do what you did the first time and just bigger equals better, or you do the exact opposite and you go crazy. And I refer to that as the Gremlins 2 approach, which (laughs) is change the fucking genre, change the whole dynamic, go crazy. The first Gremlins is a kiddie horror movie. The second one is a live-action Looney Tunes cartoon. Basically, that's what it is. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, our Temple of Doom is also in there where it's just like, no, let's go darker. Let's let's not do the same thing. Let's go dark as shit. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is one of the best examples of going the exact opposite route and it working. And I applaud any director that says I'm not going to go after the easy dollar because it would have been easy to just do the same thing over again, which every sequel proves that, you know, because we're still getting, we're getting another one this year. Oh yeah. We're getting another Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And guess what folks, it's going to be the same fucking movie you've seen five times now. It's the same shit. And yeah, I like some of, I like the remake. I like the sequel to the remake. I like the one with uh, Matthew McConaughey. It's not good, but I like it. I enjoyed Leatherface to a uh, point. I mean, yeah. it was like it was like a a low rent uh, Devil's Rejects, you know, type of movie. Um, but yeah, and, and I had to kind of you know kind of jump on your point. The fact that it was the same director too, that it was still Toby Hooper. Like it, I could understand if it was a completely different director coming in, and being like, "Oh, I'm going to change this up because I don't want to do what Hooper did." But the fact that Hooper kind of looked himself in the mirror is like, "I've got to go a different route for this to work." Is just uh, is a credit to him. Well, I mean, it's also crazy because he thought that the he only made this one because he didn't think people got that the first one was a comedy. And I want, I'm like, Toby, <laughs> what <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? That's the most crazy shit. And this is from, from somebody who knows that Refn is trying to make a serious version of Maniac Cop. Like that's, that's the craziest thing. But then you find out that Toby thought the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a fucking comedy. Yeah. What? What? Where's the, what? Where's the jokes? What am I laughing at? <laughs> When she gets impaled on a hook, uh, and 
<laughs> when he gets hit in the head and he like and flops he around. spasming like, yeah. like that wasn't that wasn't funny that was freaking sickening not... and frightening yeah toby what's what's wrong with you <laughs> the only thing that i thought the only thing that i could ever see that when i when i when i read that about him thinking that it was a comedy was and i don't even think like the hitchhiker like I don't, I mean, like that dude's so realistic. It's ridiculous, but maybe, uh, Franklin, um, in the, the guy that's in the wheelchair, like he's the only thing because he's so kind of annoying that I could somewhat see where that's kind of the comedy a little bit. Cause like when he rolls down the hill and falls out of his chair, it's kind of, okay, that's kind of funny. Or when he's sitting there doing raspberries while they're kind of doing stuff like constantly, you know, just the, that that constant thing and it's like okay but it didn't feel like a comedy to me it just felt like okay this guy's just uh, annoying <laughs> and he needs to die as soon as possible even though he's in a wheelchair no toby hooper is a madman but thank yeah. god he's a madman because texas chainsaw massacre 2 is a very fun sequel definitely definitely what's your number eight so my number eight we went over a prequel we went over a sequel with new mythology and I'm going after this is going to be not a controversial pick because I, I guess slightly because I'm picking it over an iconic sequel, but I'm going to make the argument why this one deserves to be on a list of the best sequels over its more iconic other ver- sequel. And that's Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. I know a lot of people are going to go with Bride of Frankenstein. And for good reason. It's an iconic movie. It is one of the, the undeniable iconic sequels to any movie. Right? You have Empire Strikes Back, Godfather 2, Toy Story 2. I mean, what um, Electric Boogaloo. You know, you have those iconic sequels that stand the test of time. And I do think Bride of Frankenstein is one of them. But... If we're talking about a movie that shaped cinema as a whole, you got to look at Frankenstein meets the Wolfman because it's the first movie to take two different franchises and then merge them and then not only merge them, but have them go after each other. And that's something we see to this day. This is the beginning of pop culture as we know it. And I know that sounds very hyperbolic, but, or hyperbolic, is it hyperbolic? I know that sounds very hyperbolic, but I mean, just look at it. It's yeah. Before star Wars, before planet of the apes, what's the thing that got people excited before there was a nerdum, there had to be something that got people excited. And that's, I, I honestly think this is the first one because this is before Abbott and Costello started crossing over with all the monsters and had, I mean, began the horror comedy as we know it. I don't think they would have done that if they had, if Universal hadn't already started to merge their own franchise. And they had to start somewhere before House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein, before the Wolfman. Because now, if you think about Universal monsters, in your mind, they're all connected. Dracula, Frankenstein, it's the Monster Squad. They're always connected somehow right and it's because of this movie and we have the marvel cinematic universe because of this movie we have dc trying to do what marvel's doing because of this movie we have universal today 
tried to do what they did almost a hundred years ago because of this fucking movie. They keep failing. I mean, they're trying to rip off the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm like, you already did this shit a hundred years ago, guys. Why are you failing at this? So I think this movie is more important than its more iconic sister, and I'm using that term in the best possible term, because I do think Bride of Frankenstein is a very good movie, and arguably a better made movie, and a more entertaining movie. Well, the entertaining bit is probably, I mean, you have Frankenstein fighting a fucking wolfman in this. This is, it's not the best Frankenstein, because it is unfortunately Bella Lugosi, and he's fine in the role. He's played him a couple of times. But you do get Lon Chaney Jr. as the Wolfman. Because he's the only actor that never quit playing his role. Right? Because, Bill, I mean, Bela Lugosi stopped playing Dracula. Um, Boris Karloff stopped playing Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster. If you want to be pedantic, whatever. Who gives a shit? Um, Lon Chaney Jr. is the only one that ever played Wolfman. And he always was great he is the glue of this fucking universe he's the robert downey jr of this universe and he gives a fucking great performance in this it's as good as his performance in wolfman so i honestly i think this is the beginning of nerdum so wolfman uh, frankenstein meets the wolfman that's my number eight i guess i'm surprised uh, um, i mean I, 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 love, I love this movie i love the um you know the universal monsters of course um i'm very surprised by this pick but i i do i do you made a good argument i will say that 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 does make sense um that this was pretty much yeah like i said so i didn't realize that this was the first kind of crossover is that what you're saying that this is kind of the first crossover that we got in, in movies period i mean you maybe find some serialized shit before this but i i did some research not gonna do I'm, i didn't like hit the fucking yeah, no. libraries and look through i'm sure there's some, i'm sure there's some you know um nerd out there that'll let us know I, yeah <laughs> but i mean this is before ebony costello movies this is before house yeah. of frankenstein and house of dracula this is as far as i know the the first major franchise crossing over with another major franchise and because i mean Think about it. As a kid, you always wanted to see, like, ooh, wouldn't it be... F-? I mean, Alien vs. Predator, that was the thing we wanted for years yeah, until right. we got it. But, yeah. it, I mean, Godzilla vs. King Kong is a thing that happen, is happening right now. I mean, it's still a thing that people fucking love. We love when yeah. characters cross over. We want to see fucking Michael Myers versus Jason or Jason versus Freddy or Jason right. versus the yeah. killer clowns or whatever the fuck. And it's kind of started. No, that's a, that's a good argument. I, 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 you know, that, that does make sense why you would pick this one over Bride and Frankenstein to a point, but yeah, nope. I'm there with you, man. That's a good pick. I'm, I'm, I went with in, I went with importance over technical greatness for my pick. Well, I could argue the importance of uh, Bride of Frankenstein, but uh, we won't get into that right now. Um, but uh, <laughs> so, all right, my number seven um, is I. It's similar to Texas Chainsaw Massacre two in the fact that it did something different from its uh, great original. Uh, the reason why I have this one 
just one spot in front of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is because it did it first. Or not did it first like the first ever, but it did it before this one. Um, and uh, so I have 1983's Psycho 2. That is also my number seven. Oh, nice. Go ahead, though. I mean, yeah, it's your... No, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think the best thing that um, the director, um, oh, crap, I just lost it, Richard Franklin. I mean, uh, yeah, you better put name, respect on that <laughs> motherfucker's name. Richard Franklin best, does not get enough respect as a horror Yeah, director. no, um, Richard Franklin, I think the best thing he did was that he knew he was not going to be able to remake or match psycho because nothing is psycho there's nothing you can do to to touch psycho in any way you cannot even make a shot for shot remake and have it touch the original psycho that's just that's just the way it is and i think he exactly he knew that so what do you do do you expand on that do you try to do the same thing do you try to do some do you go something completely different and that's pretty much what uh mr franklin did and i think it just it just works um and the fact that it worked to the level that it did compared and not not only compared to the original but the fact that it was what 23 years later Mm -hmm. that we got this i mean a good bit of time and it's not like anybody was ever gonna forget psycho well let me jump in here yeah go ahead ahead it recontextualizes a character that we know so well in the first one, we think he's a weird creepo, right? And then we find out that he's mentally ill and he's a killer. This movie, immediately, almost from frame one, you you feel bad for him. Like, you have sympathy for a killer in a horror movie that I never had before. Honestly, if you go from the first one, he is a villain. And he would make any list of the greatest villains. This one, it's one of the most tragic victims, right? And he's still a killer. He's still a killer. And But the entire movie, it's not, is he, because the, the movie is a mystery because he, he just got out of the asylum. He's doing better. The cops are, the cop is still fucking with him. Like, you better not do no, no Norman. And everyone's like, you know, fucking with him. And there's killings happening around him. And the whole movie is, is he bad? Is he doing this? Or is somebody fucking with him? Or are these even happening at all? Are they happening in his mind? And the question is never, when you're watching this movie, you're never going, is he doing it? It's, if he is doing it, I hope to God he gets better. You're on his side throughout the entire movie. Even at the end, when he kills somebody, you're still on his fucking side because he's a victim. And it's so it's such an amazing trick that you took a sequel 23 years later that nobody really wanted. Nobody needed. Nobody needed a psycho, too. It's a perfect movie. Yeah. But the fact that he took that character and he was like, let's let's just expand on him. Not, you know, we're not going to do what the fourth one did. And this isn't me shitting on Mick Garris because I do like bit parts of the fourth one. I actually like all of them. I think this is a very underrated series. Yes. I like all four of them, even the third one. Um, That's the one with Jeff A, right? Yes. Yep. Which is, I always, I always liked watching that one for some reason when I was a kid. I watched, I probably watched Psycho 3 more than I've watched any of the other Psychos. Is it, isn't there a lot of titties in that one? Probably. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like I figured it out. I think I cracked the code. Gotcha. Um, and he's it's he directed that one, so it's it's not it's it's well it's it's better directed than the Mick Garris one. And Mick Garris has directed yeah. a lot of things. So yeah, no, I I like that. There's um, before kind of meta was really a big thing. There was almost kind of like a meta ness to this, where you kind of see these. Um, these new people kind of like you're saying, you know, you kind of have these new characters and they're kind of, it's like they're wanting to push Norman Bates over the edge. Um, like they're, they're wanting him to commit more, like you want to see more murders and kind of like that, kind of that, um, that uh, talking about how sequels just kind of that meta commentary almost on kind of sequels and, you know, and that kind of stuff of, you know, we want more carnage and we want more of this and we want more of the same. And you don't, you don't kind of get it. You get kind of like this, you know, this more, comedy you know i wouldn't say slapstick but you get more of a non-serious kind of you know in the same vein of texas chainsaw massacre where there's you know it's it's not as serious as the original and for good and for good measure because it wouldn't have worked if it was and so yeah no i i I think you kind of explained it pretty well um yeah richard franklin did you know a, a really amazing job um taking something that was so great and putting his own spin on it that where you would you would remember this for a good reason not just for a bad reason no, it yeah, I totally agree. I think I honestly would probably argue that he gives a better performance in this one. Anthony Hopkins, I think, gives a better performance in this because he's more of a character in this because yeah. you don't see him until like what forty five minutes into the first one, and he doesn't really become the lead until after. I'm not even gonna say spoiler alert go fuck yourself if you haven't seen psycho (laughs) if you don't know the most iconic movie scene of all time what are we doing stop listening to this (laughs) no yeah he doesn't become um, the lead until like that more than halfway through the movie so it's really he doesn't have much to work with i think he doesn't a phenomenal job and it kind of ruined his career he was so good but this one he is front and center he's in almost every frame of the movie and he has to give you that, am I a bad guy? Am I a victim? What's going on? And I think he does a very good job. The third one falters in that the jig is already up. We already know what's going on with Norman. So it's there's not much more to reveal. Um, and then the fourth one kind of like, it's he's barely in that one too because it's a prequel, but he, he goes again full circle where you're rooting for him again. So it's one of the only villains that I can think of that you're always rooting for. And that's crazy. And that's just a testament to one, his performance and two, the incredible work of Hitchcock and Franklin, because Franklin neat deserves the lion's share of, well, I don't want to say lion's share. It's equal share between him and Anthony Perkins making this shit work. Because if, to me, now I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent, and you can cut this out if you want. If you don't know who Richard Franklin is, he's made some of the best horror movies you've never seen. Patrick, fantastic. One of the best jump scares ever. Link, there's a a, a fucking monkey, a movie about a bunch of killer monkeys. And they're all wearing people clothes. It's amazing. And then, but he also made, didn't he make Road Games? 
Yeah, Rogue Games. That's, okay. I think I don't. I don't. I've never seen Patrick, but I've seen Rogue Games and Link. Okay, I was almost positive he did Rogue Games and IMDb, which has given me a bunch of episodes of Beastmaster. I'm like, why would he be? That is not what he is known for. God damn it! No, yeah, um, Rogue Games, fucking fantastic. I guarantee that's what got him this job. He is that movie is Hitchcock to the nth degree. That is the best Hitchcockian movie Brian De Palma never made. And Brian De Palma wishes he made a movie that fucking good. Rogue Games is so fucking good if you guys haven't seen that. And then he also made Cloak and Dagger, which isn't a kid's movie. I mean, it's not a horror movie. It's a really fun uh, kid's movie. But then after that, his fucking career just fell off a cliff. God damn. Yeah. FX2 is fun, but god damn. What the fuck happened to Richard Franklin? Oh, this is making me depressed. I don't want to look at his filmography no anymore. Stop it. Get out of there. I know. It's like Bob. when you look at Bob Clark, you're like, <laughs> oh, what did he do after Black Christmas? You're like, oh, no, Baby Geniuses too. Oh, no. What happened? No, yeah. If you don't know Richard Franklin, look up his movies. Watch his movies. I mean, stop after Psycho 2. Just stop watching after that. You but, can watch Link. Oh yeah, Link was right after that. Yeah. But yeah. So my number six uh is probably my it's a sequel from my favorite franchise. Uh so my bias may should be showing a little bit here, uh, but is 1984's Friday the thirteenth, the final chapter. Um it is the fourth um movie of this franchise, and this is one of the only franchises, horror franchises especially, where each movie felt like it got better and better than the original. Most franchises have like the originals, usually their best one. And then it goes downhill after that. You may get a few good ones after, but generally it's like, okay, there's the original and then it's just plummeting uh, down to, you know, trash. But Friday the 13th works its way uphill to a certain point, And then you can start arguing uh, after that. And this is one of those where, because there's no straight up great movie, there's everybody's got a different favorite movie of this franchise. We've we've talked about the, we ranked this uh, franchise already before, um, so we've kind of talked about it a little bit. Uh, but this one here, it, it was between this one or number six, uh, Jason Lives. I go with this one one because I love this one. This was the first ever horror movie I ever watched. But the amount of it taking everything that this this franchise that the original created the whole template that it created um, from, you know, people doing, you know, kids doing, you know, sinful things and people, somebody coming to kill them. Um, this took all that and made it work. Like it was just a good, just a manifestation of everything coming together uh, and working to be an actual legitimate, scary Friday the 13th movie with a great jason uh ted white is one of the best jasons there is um and then you've got unforgettable characters um unforgettable kills uh everything about this just works to perfection um there's not a lot that you're going to change with this movie um and it's just like i said it's it's one of those that it's it's all it, it's up there for as far as friday the 13th it's always kind of considered one of the top best like whether it's number one best or it's around the top one or two generally it's either this or jason lives and so fi final chapter um with with jason and you know you've got um what's uh, you've got 
Corey Feldman uh, in this and the great Crispin, Crispin Glover with his amazing dance. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of great stuff here. Um, but I think that you have something to add to this as well, don't you? Uh, that is correct. Um, it is also my number six. So <laughs> I thought about what, because we're rating this on terms of best sequel and not my favorite Friday the 13th. Right. So I was like, which one, which sequel pushed this series to the next level? And I seriously considered the second one because I do think that it moved, it moved the dial further than the first one did in terms of making it more realistic scary like i think it really did a lot to make this franchise what it would eventually become but i don't think any of the movies really ripped off that one right like that kind of is like an outlier and then the third one also starts to crystallize what the formula would become but it wouldn't be until the fourth one where all of the elements get pulled together so i'm right there with you i i know i just had we just did this list and i don't this wasn't my number one but that was a different list and that was a different set of criteria you assholes so get off my back leave me alone no this is one of the best ones no unquestionably and i do think it probably is the most important one because it's the one where again it's all of the shit comes together to make a perfect slasher movie you got a lot of kills you got shaboobies you got a lot of characters you got likable characters for the most part even the characters yeah. who are unlikable are unlikable by design there's no franklins in this like <laughs> no shellys no Shelley's. I mean, there's the dead fuck is annoying, but he's not to the degree where you're like waiting for him to die. Yeah. He's, you know, but you know, there's like, again, there's a dog. So that's always major points. I like a dog, but no, this is just the perfect prototypical slasher movie. And there was going to be, I mean, like, it, it wasn't even up for debate. I didn't even think about it. There was going to be a Friday the 13th on my list. Yeah. Almost all of the sequels are fun. It's just a matter of which one is the most important. So yeah. I think it was either this one or six, but I don't think anyone ripped off six. So. No, the only thing that six, six you know, I would, I would listen to the argument. Um, and I don't want to spend a lot of time because we did, we spent an entire episode on this franchise, but I'll, I can talk about this every, all day, every day, this franchise. But I think six is probably the best written and, you know, some of the best characters and everything best directed. Like you could throw all those, the quality of it all uh, being one of the best. And that's why it's considered one of the best. It's the um, best made. Yeah. 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 And it, it took it took it in a new direction. Like after five was supposed to go in a do, different direction, it brought it back to the Jason character. But we got the zombie. We finally got the zombie, uh, Jason. Um, this one was still human, and this was one of those. This was so good that if it had ended right here, it would have been a perfect ending to this uh, to this franchise. I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad we've got Kane Hodder and we got Jason X um, and whatnot out of all this. So I'm I'm not um, upset that this is the final chapter that this wasn't the final chapter. I love 
um they're just from the beginning of this movie uh kind of how it connected from three to four um and how um it just it was felt like it was raining you know for a lot of the movie it was just i i mean there's it's such you know listen to our friday the 13th um episode where we rank them to really uh get more of our in-depth but yeah i i just there's not enough good things i can say about this one the only reason why i don't have it too much higher is because it's probably the lowest probably quality of um some of the ones that we've got a little bit higher um you know i think like split splits a much better well-made movie and acting and directing and all that kind of stuff but this is a straight up horror where there's no guessing about it and this has got some of the most when you think of Jason uh, or you think Friday the 13th, there's very many of these quotes, kills, images come from this one of the, this movie uh, as much as any of the other ones. So yeah, my number six, uh, our number six, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Yeah. I don't have it any higher because yeah, again, it's not the best movie, but I think what it did for slashers, it's not super important to the world of slashers. It's not as important as the first one by any right. means. But I do think that going forward, that you're going to take lessons from this one over any of the other ones, probably, most likely. Because you're not, it's not like the, the sixth one reinvented the wheel no. again. It's the fourth one is the one that set the groundwork. And then the sixth one is just the best made version of that. Yeah model so yeah that's why i went with four and that's why it's not any higher because it's technically not super important or influential but you know it's important and influential enough to be right around the middle so number five sir all right my number five um we we've talked about uh jump in quality um from the original to the second and there if we were going to do a list of the best horror movies sequels that had the biggest jump in quality from the original or the one before it to this one this would be uh one of the top ones this would hover around number one and that is 2005's the devil's rejects mr rob zombie i'm gonna stop you right there it's 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 on my list it's higher on my list and you you lied to me you lying some again I had, of course, I had to put it on my fucking list. I hemmed and hawed. All right, a, a little context off mic. Me and Kane got into a huge argument over whether or not I was going to include this movie because my argument was that it's building off a foundation of trash. The first movie's not that good. It's fun. It's entertaining. I've seen it many times, but I don't think it's that good. And my argument was that even Rob Zombie agrees that it's not that good because he just did away with all of it. He threw it all away. Otis isn't an albino in this. There's no Dr. Satan. They got rid of all of that shit. But we will get into that more higher on my list because it is higher on my list. So your number five is... Devil's Rejects. Devil's Rejects. Well, well, can I, can I, well, before you get into your number five, since I don't, I don't, I don't get to talk about Devil's Rejects quite this second, can I say that one of my, I know we're going to get into honorable mentions in a little bit, but um, I almost had uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 on here. Oh my God. <laughs> but I, I don't think I could justify having two uh, Rob Zombie movies on. I would uh, have given you so list. much shit. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween 2 was, oh my God. I didn't even think about that. 
I didn't even think I, about it. I will def- you know I love that movie. I will defend that movie. Can you defend it over breath. Child's Play 2, honestly? I would because here's oh, no. here's my biggest defense of that movie. I know a lot of people you know, you, you can you can say whatever you want about it. But it does one of the best jobs of depicting the PTSD that happens after an event like what happened in the original better than almost any other movie out there better than the Halloween 2018 I'm sorry the the what Lori Strode the strength the the change that she goes through and then uh her friend the um oh, I lost I lost her name uh but Daniel Harris character that was her best friend that got all cut up and then uh Sheriff Beckett uh the great Brad Dourif all three of those the change that you get from the original or I'm not, so from Zob, Rob Zombie's uh, Halloween to Halloween two is one of the, is the best PTSD. And the fact that he made it his, and that's the thing that I, I didn't like about his, his Halloween version. Cause he didn't make it his, this one, you got a little bit of Halloween, like the original Halloween two, 1981. You got a little bit at that at the beginning, but then it was all Rom Zombie and it was all different and it was all him and it was this PTSD. Laurie Strode is now this emo goth, you know, she was this bright and bubbly person to um, the Daniel Harris character who's uh, trying to be, she's basically, you know, become this almost OCD neat freak and all that uh, with power. And then you've got the great Brad Dourif trying to hold it all together as the loving father and the uh, caregiver and all that. And I just, I love, I love that aspect of it. Um, And that's, that's why I love that. And I'll defend that movie. So that's all I really got to say about HD here. <laughs> you know, go ahead, send your send your tweets, send your send your nasty comments about how much you hate this and how much that is trash. But I will defend it over a lot of other sequels. I'm, I want to go on the record in saying Child's Play Two is and Phantasm Two did not make Kane's cut, but he thought about Halloween Two. So I'm just throwing that out into the ether. I thought about those as well, but. You're fucking crazy. Phantasm 2 is so much. Uh, we're not going to get into this right now. We're not getting into this. <laughs> well, what's your number five? I will watch you because you keep talking about it and I want to rewatch it because it's been so long, but I know I'm going to fucking hate it and then I'm going to hate you for making me watch it. You son of a bitch. But I do want to rewatch it just to give it the benefit of the doubt because it's happened. All right. Just... I think it's okay. Uh, this last thing I'm going to say I think it's a lot similar to Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and the fact that, because it's a Michael Myers Halloween movie, and the fact that um, it's Rob Zombie. I think, like we have talked about, if you take the first his first movie, and it's not Halloween, and it's not Michael Myers, and you name the Michael Myers character, it's somebody different, and he doesn't put ever put on the um, the Captain Kirk mask, and he keeps that paper mache mask on, and you have that sequel to this. I I think people look at it a lot different. That's all I'm gonna say. I mean, I don't disagree. I really do wish he, his Halloween movies were not called Halloween. And I know we've talked about it before. I really wish he had that fucking orange pumpkin paper mache mask. Cause fuck with God damn it, you're getting me talking about. <laughs> What's your number five? Go ahead. Ah, you son of a bitch. Okay. I know you've heard me talk about it, 
over and over again. But my main criteria is, how did you progress the mythology of a horror movie? And that was my major qualifier is, what did you do with the, the mythology? And to me, one of the best examples of expanding mythology is Hellbound Hellraiser 2. I don't even look at these movies as individual movies. I see them as two sides of the same coin. They do not work without each other. The first one has major problems that the second one fixes, and the second one has problems that the first... They, they complement each other. Unlike any other horror sequel that I can think of, like that you really need both of these movies to work as one cohesive whole. Because if the first one is so much set up for five minutes of Cenobites, and you're like, I mean, it's a very good movie. Don't get me wrong. I think Hellraiser is a very, very good movie. But I think this, the second one expands on it. You, you get a little bit of Pinhead's origin. You get their dimension. Because I know a lot of people think that they come from hell, that they're demons or some shit. That's not correct. I'm not going to get into exactly what they are. They're interdimensional beings from a dimension of pain. That's not hell. If you want to simplify it and just call it hell, and you want to call them demons, that's fine. But it's closer to aliens, if anything. They're not, they're not demons. They come from a dimension of pain. And that's crazy to me that you just open up a portal and they're like, all right, this is pain forever now. And that's scarier to me than like getting punished for your sins. Because it has nothing to do with whether or not you did something wrong. It's you opened up the box. This is what you get. And it's also a lot of people do it because they want to. And that, that's the thread that all of the sequels lose. Is most of the people who open up the box want to get punished. The guy who and the guy who opened the bad guy in this one opens up the box and then immediately becomes the fucking kid. Let's just for the sake of argument, call him this, the king of hell, like immediately. And then starts fucking shit up because that's what he wanted. He wanted that fucking experience. And, and then you see some of what the Cenobites look like before they open the box. I just think that it just expands the mythology in such an interesting way that none of the sequels really do. It's, this is, it should have been a one, two series. That's it. You don't need any more. And unfortunately, there's like 17 of these fucking things, and they all fucking... The third one is fine. It's fine. The fourth Just put one... Pinhead in it and make a movie. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know... It's... Even if he's fat. Yeah. <laughs> you got a Critter sequel? Put Pinhead in it. Put... <laughs> now it's a Pinhead movie. It's Hellraiser. Thank you. Thank you, Weinstein. Thank you, you piece of shit. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's... I, th I think they complement each other perfectly. It's one of the few sequels that, like, they hold each other up. You know what I mean? Like, Spider-Man, I, I know this is a weird uh, comparison, but it's like X, the, the first X-Men and the first Spider-Man movies. They're good, but then the sequels come out and they just, like, prop up the first one. They make the first one better by comparison, right? You're like, oh, this is, the, the sequels are so much better 
that it just makes the first ones great too. You're like, oh, these are great now. There's just they just got like a bump in quality because of their fucking great ass sequels. And that's what Hellraiser two does is it it takes a movie that's good. I don't know if anyone would call it great. I mean it's you could call it great, I guess. It's just it has deficiencies that again this one is like, hey, I got you, bro. And then this the sequel has problems that the, the, the first one has. So it's again they, they I all I have to keep saying is that they merge it's like that one Cenobite from the third one where their faces are combined. That's what I consider this fucking movie. It's just two <laughs> movies that just lockstep with each other and make the perfect one movie. So that's why I'm with Hellbound Hellraiser 2. All right. I um I I'm not a lover of Hellraiser. I recognize it as what it meant to horror. Um the genre and kind of taking it in a different kind of path from the slasher and all that and getting into more of the body horror and the, the torture and that kind of stuff. And it gave us one of the icons of horror and pinhead. Um, I, so I, I, I do recognize the merits of Hellraiser and I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm not saying I'm just not overly in love with it. Like it's not a movie I've watched it maybe a couple of times in my lifetime. And it's something that I'm not going to, I'm not going to go and recommend. I'm not going to be like, Oh, have you seen Hellraiser? But now if you're wanting to like a, a lesson, like a, a horror one-on-one, I'm going to throw Hellraiser out there because of what it meant to the genre. Um, and I do, I do like uh, Hellraiser too. I, I get completely what you're saying, the, how it combines, how you cannot have one without the other. Um, it's like, you know, peanut butter and jelly i mean it's just you've got to have one uh, or with the other and they mesh and they work really well and that is exactly why i will do not have hellraiser 2 on my list because it by itself is not good by itself is not good there's some good stuff in it and i do i do get the whole point of it expanding on the mythology and kind of creating giving you a little bit more here and there but if it, if you have to have Sometimes just sometimes it's just a movie's got to stand on its own two legs and this and that one cannot, it, you know, it just cannot whatsoever. Um, so that's why I don't have it on there. Um, I, I don't fault you for having it on there. I don't fault anybody for having it on there. It's just not in my top 10 for that reason. No, I guess I can understand that. I just think that if you're going to make a sequel, I think this is the best way to go about it is it is essential i mean you need the first one like you said it's it does not work without it but then this one doesn't work without that one like kirsty is a much better character in this one she's barely a character in the the first one she's better in this one but the ending to the first one is better than this one because it looks like they just ran out of money for this one (laughs) again it's just they they complement each other in different ways and I'm not going to keep going over it. Hell, yeah. Hellbound, right. Hellraiser 2. It's great. You're number good. five. You're good. I just, okay. So that was your number five. So uh, we are on to number four. Number four. Number four. So my number four um, is a, a precursor to the basic kind of like what 28 weeks or 28 days later and 28 weeks later uh, did. Um, I think the ambition of this um, sequel uh, is what helps it and the fact that it improved no and say 
it, it added to and it and it took the central original thought and expanded on it uh, in a in a way where it made it memorable and um, it it made it more epic. Um, and that is uh, 1978's Dawn of the Dead. Um, I I think that Night of the Living Dead. We, we can sit here and talk about the merits of Night of the Living Dead all we till we're blue in the face. We all know how, what what it means to horror and what it meant to cinema. Period, and um, how great it is and what George Romero did, what Dawn of the Dead did. Uh, and I read a little, and I know you know if anybody else has read or knows about this, uh, you know it's not like it's a little nugget that I know about or found, but uh, apparently you know. Um, you know, they uh, overheard uh, some somebody talking um, and saying, hey, you know, if a zombie apocalypse happened or if an emergency type thing broke out, you could survive in a mall. Well, Eureka, I mean, that's, that's a great freaking idea. So how do you expand on Night of the Living Dead where you're contained in this one house? Well, you're still contained in a certain place, but instead of it being a house where eventually, you know, we, we've talked about where Night of the Living Dead, eventually you'd, you'd kind of, figure it out well what if you didn't and this is what happened or if there was a if a different story in this universe well these people would go to a mall um or something like this to be able to survive and i think that's just a an absolute brilliant way to take this movie and expand upon uh the story the great story that uh, romero had already already created in not of the li- um, not, not a list plug uh not not of the living dead um and uh then you've got some some great moments um you've got some great characters uh that he uh, that he helped build uh there uh you know ken forey was one peter washington is one of the ones that always kind of stands out to me and then you got the the helicopter escape and uh, all this all just everything that it, that it did uh, was just just great um, and taking a different direction on a formula that had already worked to perfection uh, and just expanding upon that and doing something a little bit bigger a little bit more epic uh, than just this small type of movie uh, that uh, Night of the Living Dead was so that's my um, number four pick Dawn of the Dead 1978 all I'll say about this is it's great That's great. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to talk about it more later. So. Oh, okay. I got you. Wink, wink. All wink, right. So, wink. what's your number four then? It's, it's very good. <laughs> it's very well done. Okay. All right. Number four. We're talking about take a drink. We're talking about mythology. We're talking about adding something new to a horror movie's mythology. And there's not many movies that have added as much or as different a mythology to their own creation as Wes Craven did with New Nightmare. He took, and this is, I know this is a shock to some people that I picked this over Dream Warriors because I love Dream Warriors. But I thought about it and I'm like, this is the beginning. This is the precursor to all meta shit. Before Scream, there was New Nightmare. And this is as meta a horror movie as there has ever been. He's taking the uh, the concept of Freddy Krueger and making that real. He's making that the monster. Not Freddy Krueger as he is in the movies. It's the very concept of this being 
that's become popular outside of the movies and because of the collective unconscious making it a thing then it becomes a thing and now it's killing the people within the movie it's as meta an idea as you can possibly get and it's an idea that only Wes Craven would do and dare to do because he's like this is it motherfuckers we're killing this shit dead and there hasn't been there's been one remake after this and no sequels because yeah he effectively killed this fucking franchise by doing the best possible version of it it's very fucking smart and clever because Wes Craven because Wes Craven was very smart he was a very very smart filmmaker so he took a concept that probably shouldn't have worked on paper and is a very hard pitch to sell anyone and turned in one of the most one of the most clever horror movies of the 90s and is probably Heather Langenkamp's best performance and that's not saying much because she's not a very good actress but she's very good in this and I think Robert England has is doing multiple things in this because he's playing himself He's also playing the fake Freddy Krueger, you know, the movie Freddy Krueger. And then, but he's also playing this other Freddy Krueger. So the only downside to this movie is the makeup effect on Freddy. And it looks like shit. It looks really bad. It looks like a dime store Halloween mask. It looks really fucking bad. And that's the only downside to this. Other than that, I think this is a damn near perfect fucking movie. And it's very clever. And it does... We're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre taking a fucking... We're talking about Halloween 3 taking a chance. This is a director saying, there will never be a sequel to this, and this is why. And he did. He killed the fucking franchise, because he's like, this shit's stupid. This is dumb. Never should have been a franchise, and I'm going to kill it. And he did. And I think it's the best possible version of it. And that's why I have number four. Well, let's just keep that going because my number three is a new nightmare. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I know everything you said. I love this movie. I I went back and forth between this and Dream Warriors, probably like you did and probably like anybody else kind of would. Um, I almost went with the Dream Warriors because this almost feels kind of like what you said. This almost feels like a reboot in a sense. Like you could almost say this was a reboot. Like I, we were going to go in a do, new direction. You know, we, we jumped the shark. It's time to reboot this thing. Um, it, it, it got so bad that, you know, Freddie's dead was so awful that we needed to go in a new direction. It's either remake it or reboot it. And this almost kind of feels like that um, in a sense, but it is, it is definitely a sequel. Like I could have seen this working, uh, this doing like what the, uh, Halloween um, 2018 did is like, we're going to just skip all the other ones and just go straight from nightmare on Elm street, 1984 to a new nightmare. And that's it. Um, and it works that way extremely well. Yeah. It, it made uh, Freddie scary again, uh, which was great. Uh, I do agree with you on the, um, on the, the makeup. Um, I also am, uh, I'm the other thing that I'm uh, frustrated about is that we never got um, the Freddy Krueger versus Robert England on screen. I know there was a shot 
uh, or a scene uh, that was cut and uh, for good reason i think it would have been uh, it wouldn't have been great uh, i think because it was what's where he was a spider where freddie was a spider or something uh, with robert england caught in the cobweb or whatnot but i would have loved to have gotten that but it doesn't diminish the movie that we didn't get that um but no yeah heather Lakenkamp, yeah she's not a good very good actress at all but she does a really good job here um the fact that it and the the kind of like you said that that creating that meta um that we hadn't really you, you probably had seen little glimpses here and there but to have it throughout an entire movie and be like this is exactly what we're gonna do Wes Craven's one of the smartest directors uh period not just horror but just period of all time uh, the fact that he was able to change the game so many different times the way he did and do what he what he he did um throughout his uh, career is just uh, amazing um so yeah uh, new nightmare um just edges out uh dream warriors for me and if we had if we if we did the where we had more than just one uh franchise uh one movie from a franchise on here i probably would have both of them on there uh, but I would still have New Nightmare ranked a little bit higher. So, yeah, that was my number three. Um, what's your number three? Well, what's your number four? It was Dawn of the Dead. Oh, then I'm I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, because your number four was New Nightmare, and I just yeah. went straight into my number three so we could keep talking about it. And so what's I, your number I three? I mean, you did it right, King. You did it that's, right. That's how, that's, how, that's how a professional does it, sir. That is how a professional does it. My number three is a movie that you talked about briefly. It's Devil's Rejects. I uh, yeah, the movie that you didn't think was going to be on my list is number three on my list because we're talking about. I convinced myself because yes, the argument against a movie's quality, the jump in quality, should be a, should should it be a factor if the first one isn't that good. Because, again, Ouija 2 is such a better-made movie than the first one. It blows the first one out of the water. You have Conjuring 2 that I would argue it blows the first one out of the water. You have a lot of horror sequels that just up the ante and just just decimate them by comparison. And this is the best example of that. But if the first one isn't that good, you know, what are we doing? But I'm like, it's just so good. But I can't deny its place. Because over all of these movies on this list, it is that big of a jump in quality. The first one is, at best, a fun movie. I've said it over and over again. It's fun. It's not great. The best thing about it is that it goes by quick. It's very short. And you can watch, I think it's like 70 minutes or something, or 80 minutes it's like super fucking short. It's it's over by the time you even start it. Like it's it's super quick. But this one, he throws the baby out with the bath the bathwater. He gets out rid of everything. He changes the entire fucking dynamic. And cause for good reason. He you didn't need that shit to begin with. He didn't know what the fuck he was doing. He made a horror movie and now he's like, now I know how to make a horror movie. Now I'm going to make the best version of that horror movie. This is the movie that House of a Thousand Corpses should have been. And it's, again, if this was made in the 70s, I've said this a million times, this would be ranked alongside Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Last House on the Left. 
as one of the all-time classic movies. I think it's that good. And that's why I have it at number three. Oh, I completely agree with you. The only reason why I had it at number five is just because I think Dawn of the Dead and New Nightmare are more important um, to the genre than Devil's Rejects is. Uh, but I, that's, I mean, it's, I, I would, you know, if it, if it's the movie that I'm watching the most out of this list, probably it, it's, or that I, I just absolutely love and adore more then it's probably up there. If I'm going straight more favors, like if I'm putting a little bit more bias on it, but no, the, 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 I, I, I completely agree with you about House of a Thousand Corpses. I, I enjoy it. It's fun. I don't mind watching it. If you want to say, hey, you want to watch a House of a Thousand Corpses, I'm down to watch it. It's like I said, and the fact that it being right around whatever 80 minutes or so um, is, is just right. I like the kind of the campy, you know, it's, it's kind of like his love letter to uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Um, it's just, it's got, it's got some fun moments. Captain Spaulding's great. I don't mind the Dr. Satan stuff. Um, you know, I would mind more Dr. Satan in a different type of movie. Um, just, I was so glad that all that stuff was taken out and he made a legitimate, great horror movie. This is his masterpiece. At the end of the day, there is, he, it's amazing. It's absolutely mind boggling that Rob Zombie, the same director that did House of a Thousand Corpses and Three from Hell and 31, um, did this movie. It is, it is nuts. The jump in quality. It's almost like, did you really, did you really direct this? Did, did somebody else direct this movie? Cause it's so dang good. And we see him, he's a, we see him do some other good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it's just such a, a because this was his this was his second movie. It wasn't like I, I, I did spent like we we see kind of a progression sometimes uh, right in um, in directors that it takes them a few movies to get it right. There's I mean there's some that their first movie they they just nail, uh, but there's some where it's like okay you you see the progression and okay now I see why you got there. How he got from House of a Thousand Corpses to this is I have no idea how he did it. I love the Devil's Rejects. I love the characters. Um, it's so um, it, it, we we've we we talked about this on our favorite uh, horror uh, our favorite movies um, uh, how much we love this. So I don't want to spend an extra uh, amount of time on it. But no, you hit the nail on the head. Um, Devil's Rejects 2005 is just amazing. Yeah, it's the only reason I have it higher than movies that I think are important, more important than it, is again, I don't think it's biased to say that it's that big a leap in quality. No. I mean, whether or not you like it or not, there's no denying the filmmaking skill on display here. Right. The first one is a not an 80-minute music video, and that's all it is, and that's fine. It's the same technical craft that you would have in a fucking music video it has terror it's it's fine it's fine this movie is fucking olympic leaps and bounds over that movie and it's it's embarrassing how good it is compared to the first one and then how bad the third one is compared right. to this one it's what happened? But we're not going to talk about that because <laughs> that could be an entire podcast. Right. Yeah. We, we may, that might be a Patreon. <laughs> yeah. 
What happened, so, zombie? What happened? <laughs> Where'd you go? Where'd you All go? right. Uh, so we are on to number two. My number two. Um, we we kind of talked about it a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm going to sit here and say that I uh, it was hard. I, I even put this at number one. I could definitely see the argument for this being number one uh, by a lot of people. Um, but uh, 1935's Bride of Frankenstein. Um, there are few sequels that can argue the merits of it being better than the original. Um, and that's just not just in uh, horror movies, but overall, we've talked about kind of the Godfather, Terminator 2, some of those. The Bride of Frankenstein it is it deserves to be mentioned in that same breath. Um, we got, you know, right after the moments of Frankenstein, um, Bride just continues the story of Dr. Frankenstein and his uh, misunderstood creature. Um, and we just, we get a kind of the first, I, this has to be the first glimpse of us going from a somewhat, you know, a serious original horror movie to more of a kind of comedic, um, uh, take on it. Um, and, uh, and we see that kind of echoed, uh, throughout, like, this is how you do it. This is how you want, if you want to compete with your original, a lot of times, you kind of have to change the formula up just a little bit. And that's exactly, uh, we get a healthy dose of camp, uh, just kind of, kind of lighten it up. But, um, the, much of this film's success is to, uh, Karloff's, uh, superb return, um, as the monster. Um, but the film ultimately, uh, you know, um, well, the director just absolutely, uh, does an amazing job. Uh, cause he makes it creepy. He makes it humorous. Uh, it's enthralling. It's heartwarming. Uh, and then the fact that the bride is really only in it for a short amount of time. And then it's just a heart wrenching, heart wrenching, um, slide after that. And, uh, just a gut punch. Um, and there's so many things, uh, that are, it's just, it's basically, it's almost like the crown jewel of the, uh, universal, universal monster movies. Um, and it's just a, a really good sequel. Uh, great. I mean, absolutely amazing sequel. Uh, so that's my number two, Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, it's there's no denying the quality of this fucking movie. It's as as perfect as as perfect as Frankenstein is is as perfect this movie is, and that's a very hard feat, almost impossible, to find a movie like Frankenstein that's a perfect movie, undeniably perfect movie, one of the most important horror movies ever, and then I have a sequel. That's just as good. That's just as iconic. The only reason, well, it's not the only reason because I did, I do, I do think Frankenstein meets the Wolfman is very important in its own right, and I do think it's more fun in certain ways than Bride. But the tipping point is that I knew that we were going to talk about this because I knew it was going to be on your list. So I wanted to throw light on two different versions. Or at least two different sides of the universal monster movies, right? Because you have Bride that's objectively better, but then you have Frankenstein meets Wolfman that changed the game in ways that Bride never could, and not many movies have. So that was my tipping point, is that I knew that we were going to talk about Bride, and I wanted to talk about that as well, so... But no, Bride of Frankenstein. I, two and a half minutes. 
She's in that movie for two and a half minutes. <laughs> that is insanity. That is insanity. Xenomorph is in Alien for eight minutes, and people are like, oh my God, that's so amazing. Two and a half fucking minutes. And she's an icon. And it's it's the name, and she and it's basically she's the title of the movie. Yeah. It's crazy. The bride. She's the bride, and she's in it for two. It would have been like calling Silence of the Lambs, you know, Hannibal, and Hannibal's only in it for his nine minutes. You know, it's like it's nuts. It's yeah, it's absolutely fucking crazy. Every any scene that you have ever seen of Bride of Frankenstein, that's every scene you've seen of Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> I mean, I, I know a lot of people haven't seen this movie, and they just know her like waking up and yeah. looking at Frank and like screaming. That's it. That's every scene. <laughs> That's every scene. You've watched the entirety of her life. Yeah. yeah no, it's, it. uh, it's, and that's what's so great about it. And, and so uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that go watch it. It's like, hey, what is, what's going on? When does the bride show up? Well, okay, just keep watching. And when she shows up, it's just, yeah, it's, it's great. And that shriek and the whole reason why everything happens after that. I mean, it's just, yeah, like I said, and it's a gut punch, which is so great. So, um, because of what you're getting up until that point that I don't think you're ready for that gut punch uh, when, when she finally sees the monster and it's just, and you know, and it just, it kills it. So that entire, that that entire franchise very much like psycho is very underrated Yeah, because I know everyone talks about the first two, but son of Frankenstein is very good. It's a very good follow-up. It's kind of like, I guess Day of the Dead, right? Because Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead are the two iconic movies that everyone talks about. And then there's Day of the Dead. That's still very fucking good. Right. It's very fucking good. And no one talks about it, but it's very fucking good. And then Ghost of Frankenstein isn't, it's very good in a different way. And I don't want to, I know that sounds like a slight, but that's more of a horror movie more than any of the other ones because you have Bela Lugosi as Igor and he's like the puppet master and he can control Frankenstein. The problem with Son and Ghost is that inexplicably Frankenstein, I, I'm calling him Frankenstein, it's the monster, but fuck off, I don't care. Frankenstein can't talk. In those ones, and it doesn't make any sense because he can talk in the bright. He literally says, we belong dead, and then he kills himself, wow. and he blows up the castle. Spoil alert for a movie older than your grandfather. <laughs> um, it's yeah, almost 100 years old, for yes, crying out loud. I don't, I don't care. Go see it. It's not going to ruin the movie. They show that scene in the trailer, so trailers yeah. have always ruined movies. It's always <laughs> been a thing. Um, but no, it's, yeah, this is it's undeniably this is a, yep. a fucking classic a yep. f- classic of classics so my number two i'm assuming is your number one i could be wrong but i'm a guessing my number two is your number one and it's the evil dead two so i mean we, we'll find out when we get there <laughs> um because aliens hasn't popped up on your list too so i don't know if you decided not to include it but well i mean we'll we will see we but shall see well, again, we've I've said it a million times. You're taking it's not it has nothing to do with mythology because Sam Raimi's like, hey, did did you like the first one? We're just gonna do that again. <laughs> that kind of sounded more David Lynchy, but 
Uh, he right. has a he has a. I can't do voices. That's not what this podcast is about. I don't about. do voices. Yeah. I don't do po- voices. But yeah, he's like this. You like it? We're gonna do it again. It's the same fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same fucking movie, but with a bigger budget. It's kind of like Phantasm too in that way. It's like I'm just gonna do it again. I'm just gonna do it again, but with a bigger budget and with a more comedic tone. And that's what this movie is, and it's fucking brilliant. The first one is probably top five most important independent horror movies. I would say Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Night of the Living Dead, Battle for Number One, and then I would say Evil Dead. Because while those two movies, Night of the Living Dead probably changed independent cinema forever, and then Texas Chainsaw Massacre... I don't think people realized that that in Halloween, I don't think people realized were low budget movies because they do seem like they have money attached to them. Evil dead. You can tell that it was made with $5 and a couple of free sandwiches. Like it's made for peanuts. It's made for nothing. And anyone can see that, but what he's able to do on that inspired an entire generation multiple generations to be like yeah i can do it too you're not going to do it as well because sam raimi is a fucking genius and knows how to direct shit that's when he attached the camera to a board on a bike and he's going through that house and then it ends up in ash's mouth the cohen brothers who are best friends with sam raimi they're like how the fuck did you do that the cohen brothers didn't know how the fuck he did shit in that movie and they're the fucking Cohen brothers they're the best one of the best directors around and they're like how the fuck did you do that because Sam Raimi started like George Maley is as a magician uh, yeah I was gonna say a wizard he started as a wizard right, he started as a magician him and Bruce Campbell knew magic and he knew how to hide edits better because of his magic skills so he knew how to do things on no money that that trick that that shot that I just talked about on the board on the bike costs him five dollars, costs him nothing, and it's amazing. It's an amazing shot, and that's so. Evil Dead Two. You're picking up from what is a great no budget horror movie that Stephen King said was the most terrifying horror movie. Did he say of all time or uh, of that year? Of that year, like yeah, I mean that's uh, that's back when Stephen King's name would make a career. Sam Raimi they put it on the poster too. They put it on the Evil Dead poster. Yeah, it made his career. That line made his career because that's when Stephen King's name meant something, and everyone's like, "Holy shit!" And that poster is amazing. Yeah. So how do you follow that up? And Sam's like, "I'm just gonna make it a comedy." I'm just gonna make it a kind of make it a comedy and more gore. Yeah, that's it. And it's <laughs> the jump in we're talking about Rob Zombie jumping from director to director. But the thing is, he always showed that he had it. Evil Dead is a well-made movie. It just doesn't have any money to do the things that he wanted to do, but it's still well made. This one is, oh, now I have the money to do the things that I wanted to do. And the thing he wanted to do was just beat the shit out of Bruce Campbell for 90 minutes and just make everything crazy. And it's, it's a delight. (laughs) It is probably 
pound for pound, the most entertaining horror movie ever made. It's, I don't know anyone who watches this movie with a frown on their face. They're like, no, I don't like it. It's like, who the fuck are you? Who are you? Who is, who is out there in the world that watches Evil Dead 2 and like, no, I don't like it. Who are you? I want to meet you and then beat the shit out of you and slap your mom because you, you're a communist. <laughs> you're a commie. You're a commie. If you don't like Evil Dead 2, it's just pure invention. It's a wild man at the height of his powers just throwing everything at you. It's not scary. It's not trying to be scary. It's trying. It's a cinematic haunted house where it's just jump scares and look at what I can do and what he can do is everything. So that is why I have it at number two and I'm, we'll find out where it's on your list, but go ahead and talk. Well, about it. well, I wonder if um, like, how did he, like, did the producers know exactly what he was doing? Like, did they, were they like, did he sell Like, did he sell it on? Hey, I'm going to do the exact same movie again. And you're like, what? I got a bigger budget. I want to make my movie over again. Or did he was like, now this is a sequel. And then they're got like, they're getting it. Like, are you making the same movie? Do you just did this movie? I thought it was going to be a sequel. <laughs> it's just amazing what he did. Yes. This is my number one. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, cause you brought up aliens and did not bring it on my list. I am horror is subjective i will um i am fine with what people think is horror or not horror i've never really considered aliens horror there are horror elements um i've always kind of seen it more of an action sci-fi whereas alien was more of a uh, sci-fi horror um so i it is not on my list um I have no problem with anybody putting it. I, I, I kind of was like, I kind of, I really want to put it on my list because I love it so much. But at the end of the day, I just, I've never, I've never seen it as horror. I don't have a problem with you thinking uh, that it's horror. Um, it's just not. I, I just really don't. thought you were going to have it on there so we could talk about it because I don't consider it <laughs> horror either. And it kept going higher and higher on the list. I'm like, this motherfucker. <laughs> nope sorry but no my number one is e- evil dead 2 as well and everything you said is the same thing i'm gonna say is just you know um the two the the original um and the this sequel almost a re- more of an almost like a remake i mean you could put this on the top 10 horror remakes of all time and it'd be okay it works uh but yeah what he's able to do uh with this second one um it was just was just great and i'm the same way anybody who is a horror fan is like you have got to love this one you may i i know there's i know there's people out there who love um the original more than this one and i i'm fine fine they're they're just completely two different movies um in a sense uh, and uh evil dead 2 just it crams in more gore it crams in more jokes it has more quotable lines i think it's really what made bruce campbell um uh a really an icon of horror i think evil dead did a really good job but i just think this is what really i mean he's basically the he's the he's a final girl you know i mean he's he's one of the one of the only males that are he's basically a final girl in a male's body with his screaming and all that it wasn't like he was just this tough guy throughout the whole thing you know he screams as much as any other scream queen uh which is what makes it great and the physical comedy just is a whole a whole nother level uh, that is taken here by Bruce Campbell. Um, and, but then you've got Sam Raimi just doing his 
doing his thing. Um, just his directing style, uh, just perfect technique and masterfully just showing off um, e- even more so. And what he could do is like, hey, you get, you get, you give me just, you know, you, like you said, that that one trick, camera trick he did for five bucks. Hey, think what I could do with 10, <laughs> you know? And, uh, but no, I, I love uh, Evil Dead. It is, it is a quintessential um, horror sequel must watch in a horror movie period that uh, anybody that loves horror should uh, should watch. So um, that's my number one. So I'm eager to see what your number one is. I mean, if you're paying attention, you should already know. Uh, I know, but I'm, I am I know. I'm just trying to build up the suspense. No. I mean, if anyone is paying attention, <laughs> they should know that it's Dawn of the Dead. It's To me, there was no, no question. I started the episode with the the quote about zombie 2 and i i wanted to start the episode with that quote for a reason because more than any other movie on this list there is an actual legitimate subgenre of film over the fucking ripoffs of this movie in particular neither the living dead created zombies it's undeniable George Romero created what we refer to as zombies. Before that, they were black magic slaves, basically. He made them flesh-eating ghouls, and then from that, they became brain-eating ghouls. But from that first movie, he created zombies. This one created the zombie genre. And because of that, we got an entire industry of movies ripping this fucking thing off. Italy for five years made nothing but this movie over and over again. Never set in a mall, but set on a plantation or set, set wherever. It's just they kept making zombie over and over again. Zombie 2, because they called this zombie 1 in Italy. There is no zombie 1. That's the joke. That's the famous joke, is that there is no zombie 1. This is zombie 1, and everything is a sequel to this. So zombie 2 is a sequel to this, even though there is technically no zombie one. And then there's sequels to zombie two and so on and so forth. And all of those are ripoffs of zombie two and on and on and on. None of them are good. None of them are good. Zombie two is watchable. It's fun. Everything after that is, but it doesn't matter. This alongside alien or jaws or, Mad Max are some of the only movies whose, like I said, ripoffs constitute an actual genre. There are so many Mad Max ripoffs, it's impossible to count them all. And this is just like that. There are so many Dawn of the Dead ripoffs that it's, to me, that the what it did for cinema, what it did for horror is incalculable. It did as much for the genre as the first one, and the first one did everything. It did everything. There's, I, I've mentioned this before. It's the Bob Dylan effect, where, like Star Wars or whatever, there's a clear line where you can say there's movies before Night of the Living Dead, and there's movies after Night of the Living Dead. And I, there's not that many movies you can do that with. You can't do that with New Nightmare. I mean, yeah, after that, there's meta movies and shit, but it's not like it was the first meta movie. You know, there was 
meta movies like um there's nothing out there which i believe came out before that which is also meta there's literally a character telling you that they're in a horror movie while they're doing shit it's obnoxious and it's not good it's one of the better trauma movies it's not good he's obnoxious it's like randy from scream you know it's that character where it's like why are we doing this that's what people do in horror movies they die shit like that it's obnoxious it's not a fucking good movie it's terrible but it, again it's like new new nightmare didn't start meta shit so it's not like it created anything it's not like texas chainsaw massacre 2 created anything or devil's rejects there's no line dawn of the dead there is a clear line where you can say there is movies before that and movies after that and we are living in a post dawn of the dead world walking dead does not exist without this movie now most of and we talked about this off mic where we considered doing multiple movies from a franchise you thought about doing uh dream warriors i thought about doing day of the dead because i do think in some ways it is not as influential as this one but it's the one that most zombie movies now rip off they don't rip off dawn of the dead anymore they rip off day of the dead which is always people stuck in a place and they're arguing and they're bickering and that the drama comes from them and then oh yeah there's zombies outside that's all day of the dead and yeah there's some of that in dawn of the dead but it's mostly them just trying to survive trying to get along by the time romero made day of the dead he was he gave up he's like no people didn't learn people are dumb this is what happens if you stick them even in a fucking zombie apocalypse they're gonna fucking so he's like fucking burn it zombies win everyone dies fuck it like the original ending of that movie was very dark romero was in a dark place when he made day of the dead I mean, and then it's just carried on to land because he's like, no, let's just burn it down. Zombie wins. Zombies win. But no, I think Dawn of the Dead, if we're talking about the greatest sequel, you have to take into account everything it did within the horror genre. And I can't think of a movie that's had as big an impact as this movie. So that is why I picked it as my number one. No, and I, I, you know, don't disagree um, with yours, and I, that's why I had it so high on mine um, as well. So no, I I enjoyed the crap out of that. Um, what um, do you have any honorable mentions you'd like to mention? I can, yeah. I mean, I've gone over some. I really yeah. thought about doing Paranormal Activity three. Like I said, I thought about doing a, a curveball, which was Inferno which is technically the same about that one as well. Yeah. I thought about that one. I thought about, um, um, another one I, th- I really thought about was Frankenstein must be destroyed, which is the hammer Frankenstein series where yeah. Peter Cushing plays Frankenstein. It's probably the best horror movie hammer. It's one of the best horror movies hammer ever made. And I don't, I'm not huge on Hammer. I don't think they made a lot of good movies. It's it's just Hammer's not my... I like Universal. I'm not a big fan of Hammer. I do I, I do like some of their uh, Dracula movies, but that's mostly because I like um, Christopher Lee a lot. But no, obviously, I did mention Day of the Dead. I did think of Friday the 13th 2, Bride of Frankenstein. 
Um, I think I already mentioned Paranormal Activity three. So yeah, yeah those yeah. The, those 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 were the big ones. Oh, and a joke one. I did. I did consider Troll two as a joke because I'm like, if we're talking about a jump in quality, yeah, true. I mean, <laughs> you, does anyone talk about Troll one? Not really, because you're talking about Troll two, baby. Oh, and Silent <laughs> Night, Deadly Night two. You know, yeah. so there were some jokey ones because I'm like, my number ten was probably going to be a joke. That was, oh, um, we're being serious. I, that's why the whole reason why I told you last week. This is a serious one. I know, but if honestly though, if you th- talk about Silent Night, Deadly Night, you're talking about the second one. You know what right. I mean? You're not. Yeah. You're, you're talking about but not many people are, but not many people are talking about those. I mean, if there's a talent in making something that bad too, sir. Yeah, so this is this is true. I did also think about VHS two, but I'm like, that's you know what is that? I mean, it's a great movie, but if we're talking about the best, yeah, if that was my favorite list, yeah, that definitely would have been in my top five. Yeah, yeah. um, I had um, there's some that we've already talked about, like Dream Warriors and um, Hellraiser two, Halloween three, Halloween. I, I I want to talk about Halloween two, the 1981 one. I I know that that was on a lot of lists when I was looking to kind of research and looking at a lot of other ones. Um, I I've never loved Halloween two, 1981. I think it's good. I think there's some good stuff, but I think it's just um, I think it just fell apart with the whole sister thing. Just kind of ruined that. And uh, going and watching it, I, I I when I I rewatched it recently, and I was just like, I wasn't that impressed with it overall that's just that's just me um one that i thought about and i i I think it would have made my list if i considered it horror and i it's one of those that i and i don't even know if it's a a direct sequel and i was kind of debating on well okay i didn't want to do the whole well is this a spiritual or is it this is a a somewhat loose connection or is it straight up sequel or whatnot but 10 cloverfield lane kind of popped up Mm. um and i and i I mean it's a great i mean it's a quality all that's a great movie john goodman is so good in that and there's a lot of tension and all that but i've never considered it a horror i've just it's more of that thriller um uh type of tension and whatnot um and so and then it's just you know and then it's tacked on that it's kind of like split where it's uh, got that tacked on um um where is this going um if it didn't have cloverfield lane or cloverfield in it then you wouldn't really have known or anything um and it could have just been its own movie which is would have made it even you know just as good um but that was one that I kind of circled around exorcist three. Uh, I, I love that one. Uh, the part the most recent one that I re- was kind of debating was Dr. Sleep. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I really did like that one. I just don't think yeah, I, I consider it horror, but I don't know if it was horror enough. Uh, and kind of the same thing that you kind of, you kind of said um, there was, I mean, it's just, it's just a sequel. Like there's nothing that is not a game changer. Uh, it's just, it's a well-made movie that's well acted and, um, you know, and it, it does what it, it what it did, and so those are a few. Oh, Saul two, that was another one that really I almost mm-hmm. wanted to put Saul two on there. That I probably debated about that one more than anyone, just because whether you love Saul or not, Saul two takes the formula and makes it you know exp- and it makes it better. Like it's kind of the I'm not saying as far as the quality, but it it takes kind of what 
Night Night of the Living Dead did, or Dawn of the Dead did with Night of the Living Dead, where it's this small contained story, and then it's just going to be bigger and bigger, kind of like an action movie, where it's like you get the action movie that's really good, but then part two's got to have more action. We've got to have more. And that's kind of what um, Saul 2 did, was where there was only a you know, not that much gore there, you know, Saul, the first Saul didn't have as much gore and stuff and kills that a lot of people think they you're thinking about either Saul two or the later sequels, Saul two, it adds more people and it still has the same amount of great mystery to it uh, and twist and all that. And um, some, some really great kills, some of the most memorable kills some of the most memorable moments where that dude picks up, um, uh, uh, the girl and throws her in the freaking dirty uh, needle pit uh, to this day still gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, so Saul 2 was one that, but again, w- where was its impact? Uh, where was the, was it the quality and all this compared to the other ones? Uh, that's why I decided to leave it off my list. No. Yeah. I thought I forgot about that one. No, I think that's a huge jump in quality. We're talking about. Yeah. I think the first it's and it also has a, a pretty good twist. I'm I like the Saw movies. I they start to blur together in my mind after three. That's when they all start to yeah. like I don't yeah. know where they all fought, start to I have no idea. But two is yeah, I you remember the kills in that one where she yeah. gets her hand stuck in the thing. And it's also smart in that if you're paying attention, they show you how to solve all of the puzzles. Yeah. They show you that there's a rope. I mean, she. I mean, they they show you that you can just the the hammer, the axe, or something to break the cage to get the thing. Like they're showing you all the things to do. It's just they're freaking out and they're not working together. Right. And the best thing and the best thing about it, it's one of those movies. It's if you just did nothing. Pretty much. If you just did nothing but try to work together and you never leave that room, you figure it out. Because eventually you would have realized, hey, there's no there there's numbers on each other's necks. If we all kind of work together, we crack the safe and it's figured out and we're good. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no, we can't work together. We have to argue. We somebody has got to be the alpha male. Somebody's got to take do this. Somebody's got to screw somebody over. And it's just you're left to your own devices. And so, no, I, there's a lot of good stuff there, but uh, yeah, I'm the same way. Probably the middle of Saw 4 is where it lost me, where the series lost me. I think one through three are really good. Um, I think two is probably my favorite um, out of all of them. So uh, yeah, yeah. it's just, I just like the fact that like, all right, but now here's the new twist and you're like, this is yeah. so adorable that they just try to keep one upping each other. And I'm the like, new, new twist. yeah, it's like, when are they going to bring in Carrie Elvis? Oh, there he is. You did it. You, you did the J- thing. Jigsaw was dead the whole time. Yeah. But <laughs> what if he had a twin brother and you're like, what are we doing? What the fuck are we doing? No, what it's... if it took place in the middle of a forest and you thought it was the medieval times? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if what if we were on the moon? You're like, what? What? What is going on here? What the fuck All is right. this? Oh, wait. Uh, before I... Go um, ahead. I'm actually surprised that you didn't bring up Strangers Pray at Night. It's all. It's one scene. It's one scene. It is one scene. It is. It's one, one scene. and I love that scene more than anything. And if we were doing the best scenes out of a sequel, it would be on my top ten list. But it's one scene. Really, is all of it is. 
I mean, I do think it's better than the first one. But no, it's the thing that you think about is that fucking scene. It's, that scene's amazing. It's a great but scene. I, I mean, it wouldn't. I don't know where I would get. I mean, because I think I went. I I only I stopped it. I have nineteen uh, movies on my list um, that I kind of were kind of going back, and there's some that I left off because like that one. Or it's, it's just like, yeah, it's it's one scene, and uh, yeah, no, I'm we're not talking about it. Other than if you want to talk about that scene, I, we could spend an entire podcast on that scene. But um, speaking of that scene, go to uh, screenagewasteland.com. And shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> shameless plug uh, where I talk about no, that No, stop scene. giving this man clicks. Stop it. Stop doing it. <laughs> I need all the clicks, baby. No. Uh, give, give him to Daddy Kane. All right. Uh, are you ready to run down our list? For, right. uh, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I'll, I'll go. All right. Um, so my number 10 was Split. Number 9, 28 Weeks Later. Number 8, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, number seven, Psycho 2, number six, Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter, number five, The Devil's Rejects, number four, Dawn of the Dead, number three, New Nightmare, number two, The Bride of Frankenstein, and number one, Evil Dead 2. And for me, my number 10 is Twin Peaks, Firewalk With Me, number nine is Wreck 2, Number eight is Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Number seven is Psycho 2. Number six is Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Number five is Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Number four is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Number three is The Devil's Rejects. Number two is Evil Dead 2. That that is a coincidence, by the way. I didn't plan that. And number one is Dawn of the Dead. That's our lists. If you agree or disagree, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Night at the Lists or our email at Night at the Lists at gmail.com. Or you can always find me or Kane at ScreenAgeWasteland.com. If you're feeling a little generous, you can always go to Patreon.com slash NOTL and throw us a couple of schmeckles because we need it. And don't forget, kiddos, all hell trash. All hell trash. <laughs>